Christmassy is the celebration of America. And we're going to talk about it today. I know that uh, maybe it's not been on your mind, but I'm going to trust the Spirit of God is going to put some things on your heart as we think about today, America. And that is, uh, don't forget God, America. Yes, America's final destiny. And speaking of forgetting God, I tell you, our world is prone to just fly through this life and just not pay attention to the blessings of the Lord. I believe all of us could say without a shadow of a doubt, the Lord has blessed us. God bless America. And God make America blessable. Yes, we're going to look today, if you've got your Bibles, to the book of Psalm and find, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to look at several passages. First turn to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. I love Proverbs 21. As we consider today, uh, three places that we're prone to forget God. Don't forget God as a church, as a people, as a nation, one nation under God. As I mentioned a moment ago, 243 years. Happy birthday, America. But I must admit, beloved, while I'm thankful to God, we are experiencing freedoms and liberties in this country of ours. It's a great country indeed. Don't forget the sacrifice of so many men and women who not only have fought in the past and sacrificed their very lives, but those who are now fighting for our liberties and freedoms. And we want to thank God for it. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Right there. Be a good place to praise the Lord. But make no mistake about it. It's the goodness of God. God has smiled on America. God has shown His grace on America. And I pray that uh, even though we see some troubling clouds on the horizon, that the Lord will help us as His people to seek Him, to love Him, and to obey His holy word. Well, uh, in the book of Proverbs chapter 21, and speaking of forgetting God and not understanding the blessings of the Lord, I heard about a man that his wife was having some difficulty, and so he dialed 911. He said, uh, as he uh, spoke on the uh, line to the assistant who was helping him, the dispatcher, he said, help! He said, my wife is having difficulty breathing. And the dispatcher said, well, sir, can you give me your address? He said, address, uh, 121, Eucalyptus Street. And the dispatcher said, say that again, what would you say? He said, 121, Eucalyptus Street. He said, what's the name of that street again? Eucalyptus. He said, how do you spell it? The man said, forget it. I'll drag her over to Oak Street, and you pick her up there, all right? I can't spell it, all right? Proverbs 21 and verse number 1. Stand if you would like to read the Word of God. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. I want that to echo in your heart today. Father, thank you for the word of God. 
I know, Lord, it's hard to get tuned in and in touch with you when all the distractions of the busyness of the week and things going on in our everyday lives. But, Lord, you've appointed us and anointed us for a time such as this to hear your word, to not just hear it, but let it take root. I pray, Father, you'll change us. Lord, forgive us of just trying to do our own thing. And I pray, God, you'll build us up today. You'll help us to stand in the gap. As you said in the days of Ezekiel, I sought for a man who'd stand in the gap and make up the hedge, and I could find none. I thank you, God, for daddies today and mamas today and grandparents today, young people today, and uh, Christians and Sunday school teachers and, Lord, preachers and uh, Lord, uh, all kinds of your people that, Father, today our hearts would be stirred by the Holy Spirit and that, God, that you would wash us with the washing of water by the Word. You'll deliver us from every excuse and alibis and things that hinder us, uh, besetting sins. Lord, you'll give us grace to press on in spite of the difficulties and the pressures and the stresses and the discouragement and even the depression Lord Jesus, you are well able to be with us and carry us through the troubled times. And I pray, God, as I, Lord, attempt to preach the Word of God today, that, uh, oh, Father, that uh, you'd uh, take me and put me in the cross of Christ. And, uh, Father God, that, uh, as Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. I thank you. It's your Word. It has your life-giving power that people will not hear a preacher, but they'll hear the Word of God and understand, Father, the Holy Spirit is the judge of how we appropriate the Word and, and respond to what's being said today. I thank you for calling me. I thank you, God, for a place such as this. And we trust you now that you'll move in a wave of power across this nation one heart at a time and one home at a time and one man at a time and one woman at a time and one neighborhood at a time and one county like Jasper County at a time and oh God the fires of revival would ignite across this state of Georgia and throughout the land from sea to shining sea and that your name will be lifted up and that you will have the preeminence and that you will put down all that would usurp authority over the king of glory. Thank you for our rich heritage. Thank you for those that have gone on before us. And we pray, God, you'll give us grace to be faithful. And while you've passed the baton or allowed us to take the baton and run the race, and may we finish faithful, Jesus, as we wait before you and anticipate standing at the judgment seat, give an account of our life. Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus, lives will be changed today, that souls will be saved today. I thank you for the radio ministry. I thank you, Lord, the gospel is being um, proclaimed throughout, uh, not only here, but throughout the surrounding areas, and we give you glory for it. I pray you'll give us a great big vision, Father, uh, instead of our own little world, that you've got a great big plan for us. And you'll help us to join you and cooperate as you take the initiative. And when all said and done, we'll say, Hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. And we love you and bless you again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Proverbs 21.1 The Lord's, he holds the king's heart in his hand as the rivers of water. 
he turns it whithersoever way he will. And I want you to think with me for a moment. Look back and see the goodness of God, the blessings of God on this nation. We can look back in the past. And the king's heart is in the hand. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever way he will. Take a look back and see the blessings of the Lord with me on this nation, America. Secondly, take a look in and see what the Lord wants to do right now in this beloved nation of ours, America. And then thirdly, be encouraged. There's hope because God's not finished with us yet. God has a plan for his people in the future. And so number one, if you would, for a moment, take a look back. Take a look back and see God turns America in the past. God turns America in the past. Secondly, God turns America in the present. And thirdly, God turns America in the future. A very simple outline. I've been praying and probably spent 20 hours this week praying and preparing to preach the Word of God, not just this week, but in weeks prior. And so I want you to know that this is just not shooting from the hip. I trust God will use this to encourage you and to bless you and to motivate you to be all you can be in these days. Number one, take a look back and see the good hand of the Lord, how it's been upon America. He holds the king's heart in his hand as the rivers of water and turns it whithersoever way he will. I want to tell you God's in control. I want to tell you this. You can be encouraged. You can have confidence. You can have peace. You can have joy. Nothing else this side of heaven gives me such confidence and security as knowing the Lord is in control. And that ought to bless you today to know God's in control. Man's not in control. You can look back, and I want to tell you, whatever you're going through today, whatever you're going through today, whatever storms or trials or afflictions or heartaches you've got today, know that God knows all about it. Oh, yes, he does. He knows all about it. And thus he said he holds the king's heart in his hand. Now, would you travel with me for a moment in 1492? 1492, you've heard of Christopher Columbus who sailed the ocean blue. 1492, how many know that Christopher Columbus was a Christian? He was a Christian. In fact, I was looking and researching some writings of Christopher Columbus, and here's what I discovered. Christopher Columbus said, and I quote, he said, let us all give thanks. This was 1492. Let us all give thanks to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has granted us so great a victory and such prosperity. And then Columbus added, let us rejoice. Let Christ rejoice on the earth as he rejoices in heaven in the prospect of the salvation of the souls of so many nations hitherto lost. It was Christopher Columbus who said those words. Unfortunately, we don't read about that in secular history. However, we find as God had a plan for America, as he's got a plan for you, and he's got a plan for your family, and he's got a plan for this church, New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. And that's good to know, beloved. He called us such a time as this. 
May God help us to understand the times in which we're living, like in the days of Issachar as described. And therefore, watch this, be busy about the master's business. Time's running out. The hour is late. The sun is going to be going down. Jesus said, work while it's day. There's coming a night when no man can work. And whether you live 70 years or 80 years or 90 years, life is just a drop in the bucket compared to eternity. Go back to our rich, godly heritage. For example, what about in 1620? These independent Puritans, they were Christians. They decided they didn't want to be under the dictates of the Anglican church and had to worship God based upon the governmental rules. And therefore, that group of 102 pilgrims, passengers, boarded the Mayflower in 1620, and they sailed for a voyage of some 66 days. And four of them died in the process. Why? They sailed away from the interference of the government and therefore establish a nation, one nation under God, a nation that could worship God as our conscience dictates without the interference of the government. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whithersoever he will. No wonder the psalmist said, David, in Psalm chapter 9 and verse 17, he said the wicked should be turned into hell. And every nation that forgets God, every nation that forgets God, every nation that forgets God, America, don't forget God. America, don't forget God. Christian, don't forget God. We're prone to get so busy in this world we forget the blessings of God and the glory of God and the will of God for our life. But it was there, these independent Puritans established with William Bradford being the first governor. You read about the rich, godly heritage of our founding fathers. This nation was founded not upon our banks, but upon our Bibles. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And for the purpose, I might add, for propagating, spreading the good news. Christ died for our sin and was buried and on the third day rose again. Oh, yes. And so it was the establishment. Landing at the Mayflower, much more could be said about that. But I'm talking about look back and see the blessings of God. America, yes, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. What about, we fast forward a little while, what about from 1620? What about in 1776? We'll celebrate it this Thursday. It's called Independence Day. You well know those 56 or so men drafted this declaration of independence. These were not men who were not believers. We don't hear a lot about that, but many claim they were deists. However, uh, historical writings prove otherwise. These were God-fearing men. These were the founding fathers. In fact, if you read about during that time, you'll find out that for them to develop and to compile 
this declaration of independence, it would be considered high treason by King George III. How dare, says the British government, America to adopt such statements as to pull away from their authority. However, if you find, as you do search research in historical writings, you'll find out, guess what the motto was for America during the Revolutionary War? I love it. Here's what it was. No king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. In other words, in your face. We don't care if you call it treason. We believe God is in control and we're going to establish nation, one nation under God. Oh yes, America, the beautiful. God help us not to lose our beauty for righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. But blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Psalm 33, 12. Proverbs 14, 34. By the way, if you read Psalm chapter 33, verses 10 and 11, you'd find out the psalmist said that the counsel of the wicked will come to naught. But verse 10 and verse 11 reads, But the counsel of the Lord, it stands forever, forever, forever. I'm telling you, God is in control. It might look like there's chaos and confusion and things are coming apart at the seam. But I got news for you, beloved. God is on his throne. He's still ruling. He's still reigning. And one day he's going to say enough is enough and he's going to rise and his enemies are going to be scattered. Yes, our founding fathers understood that. In fact, did you know George Washington, the very first president of the United States of America, the year was 1789. The date was April the 30th. And do you know what George Washington did? As he was being inaugurated in office of the President of the United States of America, he put his hand on the Bible. And do you know what verses he put his hand on the Bible? This is documented evidence for anybody to read. April the 30th, 1789. He put his hand on this book right here and he put it on Genesis chapter 49 and chapter 50 and then guess what George Washington did after he put his hand on the Bible swearing into oath of office George Washington kissed his Bible do you know that do you know that he kissed his Bible oh but wait a minute then there was Andrew Johnson who followed Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, right here, 16, 1865. Here's George Washington, Andrew Johnson. And in 16, 1865, he opened up the Bible as he was being sworn into the presidency of the United States of America. And he put his hand on Proverbs 21.1, just what we're reading today. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. I find that very interesting, beloved, that not only did he open up the Bible to Proverbs 21, one, the text we read today, but fast forward, 1881, March the 4th, 1881, President James Garfield portrayed in this picture here, 
James Garfield also put his hand on Proverbs 21.1. And he was inaugurated as president of the United States of America. And guess what he did after he said the oath of allegiance? He kissed the Bible. Where we are reading today, yes, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever way he will. A rich, godly heritage. Our founding fathers wanted to build this nation. The nation that worships the true and the living God. And furthermore, if you fast forward, I don't have time to mention all of them. There's many more. However, several came to mind and caught my attention. Namely, Ronald Reagan. The year was January the 20th, 1985. Guess what passage Ronald Reagan laid his hands on as he was being sworn in as president of the United States of America. He opened the Bible to, you guessed it, 2 Chronicles 7.14. Solomon was recorded in that passage while he was dedicating the temple. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. If my people, not the world's crowd, God's calling New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, if my people, if my people, not the heathen, not the lost, if my people, if New Rocky Creek Baptist Church, pastor and people, Christians alike, if my people will do what? Will humble themselves. Will you humble yourself? Will you swallow your pride? Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand. And seek, pray, and when's the last time you prayed for America? When's the last time you prayed for your family? When's the last time you said, oh God, my children and grandchildren, what are they going to inherit here on earth? I pray, God, that you'll have mercy on America. And so if my people, the basis of revival, if my people, you can expect revival. You can talk about revival all day long. But if my people who are called by my name, She'll humble themselves and pray. That's the basis of revival. You're not going to have revival. Personal revival or church revival or national revival. And by the way, besides the first great awakening in the 1700s, under a man instrumental, at least one prominent figure, Jonathan Edwards, and then the 1800s, under the second great awakening with preachers like George Whitfield and John Wesley, who preached the Word of God. And the glory came and souls were saved and the church was revived and people prayed and people weren't too busy about other things. And since that time, the great Fulton Street prayer meeting in the 1800s, America has not seen a revival. My heart bleeds for revival. God send a revival. Anybody here knows if you've watched the news anytime recently, you know that we live in a hostile nation. There's anger, there's bitterness. Our nation is divided right in the middle. So in light of that, what are you going to do about it? I said, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be part of the problem? Or are you going to be part of the solution? God, help us to humble ourselves and pray. Turn from our wicked ways, not on the basis of revival, the burden of revival. And turn from our wicked ways seek his face then comes the blessing of revival then i'll hear from heaven forgive their sin heal their land not before that 
How can we expect the blessings of God if we don't turn from our sin? You say, but brother pastor, I'm not just talking about corporate sin. I'm talking about personal sin. I'm talking about leaving God out of your life. I'm talking about putting self number one. That's the ultimate sin for a Christian is to have the right to your own life. I'm going to spend this time here and this time here and I'll give God his time. And God says, wait a minute, I'm going to interrupt your life. And if you really love me and you're going to serve me, you're going to put your, pride, you're going to put your own agenda aside for a little while and put me first in your life, not just when it's convenient. That's the real test for all of us today. It's when things aren't convenient and when God calls us to sacrifice and go above and beyond and nobody knows about it and you're not able to publicize it. But God sees it in secret. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he does. Well, then there's President Trump here as he's being sworn in uh, and we need to pray for him. Somebody say amen. One nation under God is a king's heart. Hand of the Lord. And the Lord said, he said that motto of the Revolutionary War. No king but King Jesus. I love that. I'm reminded of what John said in the book of Revelation, exile on the Isle of Patmos. It was John that said, I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse. He that sat on him is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he to judge and make war. His eyes are the flame of fire. On his head are many crowns. He hath a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. And then John says, I saw the armies in heaven. That's me and you, beloved. That's the church. The blood bought, the blood wash after the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage to the Lamb, the second coming of Christ. John's describing when Jesus comes after the seven years of tribulation, when he, prior to his inauguration of his kingdom, his kingdom literally will come. That 1,000-year reign. But John said, I saw the armies in heaven which followed him on white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth go the sharp sword that he should smite the nations. He that treads upon the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And watch this. He says, John says, and he hath on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, yes. No wonder the Revolutionary War heroes said, no king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. I want to tell you, when he came the first time, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. When he comes again, he'll be wrapped in a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Oh, yes. When he came the first time, the angels sang and shouted for joy. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. But when he comes again, every knee is going to bow. And things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christos is Curios. Jesus is Lord. Yes, he's the king of glory. Even so come, Lord Jesus. So we look back and see the great rich heritage of our nation. Now we must for a moment fast forward and say, well, where are we at right now? The second part of what I want to share with you in this matter of the hand of the Lord and three turns for America, not only we look back and see the blessings of the Lord, the rich heritage, the founding fathers now for a moment. Take a look in. God wants to turn America right now in the present, the hand of the Lord. Yes, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it as the rivers of water, whithersoever way he will. How would you describe America in the present tense? Several things came to mind. Three, number one, political instability. 
political instability. No wonder those scripture teaches that people would have a form of godliness. Number two, not only political instability, but what about spiritual apostasy? Today, beloved, the woods are full today, up and down Jackson Lake Road, behind us on County Line Road, all across this county and surrounding counties of Butts County and Putnam County and Newton County and beyond. People who don't have time for God. I was visiting a man this week at the hospital. And I said, how you doing? Here's what he said. I don't care. I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care about living. I don't care about this. I don't care. You know, I got to thinking about it. That's the average mindset of the average person today. I just don't care. I don't care about God. I don't care about the window. Oh, I kind of care when I'm in trouble. But, but, but really, uh, don't bother me now. I'm doing my thing. I, I don't need God in my life. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy my life, and I don't care. One man said to another man in church, he said to the brother, he said, hey, brother, do you know the number one problem today in Christian circles? And the man said, no, I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> that's the number one problem. I don't care. Is there anybody here that cares about your neighbor that's lost and going to hell? When they die, it's too late. When you walk by them at the casket in the funeral home, it's too late. It's too late to pray for them. It's too late to talk with them about Jesus. It's too late to share the good news. Aren't you concerned about people in our community that don't know God? And tell me, and trust me, there, there are plenty of people out here. Aren't you concerned about people who are not serving God and they're missing out on the blessings of God? Surely you are. I know you are. And many of you are, and many of you are going and growing and growing, but maybe somebody here just don't care. Leave me alone. I got my life. I got my job. I got my family. God says, I want to do more in your life than you can do by yourself. Isn't it amazing when we began to serve the Lord and, and we got needs in our family, but when we began to uh, put Jesus first, that watch this, God begins to meet needs in our own family that we can't meet ourselves. And if you'll try the Lord, you'll find out that God is faithful. And stuff you're trying to fix, if you put Jesus first, you'll find out he can do a better job than I can and you can. And that's what he calls us to do. Any man wish to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up a cross. Follow me daily. He that loves his life shall lose it. Whosoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Spiritual apostasy, Paul tried to warn us. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 following, Know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. That men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce breakers, incontinent, fierce, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, such turn away. Even in the days of Paul, he pre-warns us as a precursor, these days are going to intensify. And therefore, we can see that today, spiritual apostasy, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Oh, an outward profession, but no inward possession. Our nation is full of phony baloney Christians who talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. My prayer is, God, send a Holy Ghost revival. Let it begin in me. Slight flames of fire in my heart that would be consumed to know you and the power of your resurrection. And then let everybody else know that you are my God. Oh, yes. And so, but what do we do about it? Not only 
are these days of spiritual apostasy. But wait a minute. What about the family? Political instability. Spiritual apostasy. What about family adversity? Family adversity. Who would ever thought we'd live in a day when two daddies are married or two mamas married? Not mama and daddy, two daddies, two mamas. And listen, beloved, it doesn't matter if it's in your home or my home. I, yes, I love unconditionally, but right's right and wrong's wrong. And let God be true and every man not. That's the mess we're in as a nation and as a community. You say, but brother pastor, what are we to do? We're to hold up the light. We're to do unconditional love like we said. But wait a minute. I don't care if the scientific world tries to change gender of a person. What's on your birth certificate? What you are. Bottom line. What's on your birth certificate? What you're going to stand before God? And that's who in the world would have thought. By the way, I think, see if I can get some help here. I brought my own help in case you didn't. But who thinks that men ought to be men and women ought to be women? And men ought to dress like men and women ought to dress like women. God made us to be men and women and may God help us to fulfill our calling. Amen. And amen and amen. And so the mess we're in, what do we do? One, be faithful. Notice. I said, Lord, I see the problems, but what are the solutions? Number one, be faithful. Are you faithful to God? Are you faithful to witness? Are you faithful to worship? Yet listen, worship's not sitting there watching what's going on. Worship is participating. God has been really ringing my bell about that. So often we just sit and watch, sit and watch, sit and watch. That's not worship, folks. That's entertainment. Sit and watch. Sit and watch. No. Worship is participating, singing, praising the Lord. Even if you don't have a good voice, amen, like me, I can't sing. But I do in the shower, bless the Lord. Worship, attributing worth to the one who's worthy to be worshipped. Be faithful. Can God count on you? I said, can God count on you? We can list all the problems in America, but the bottom line is we can count on God, but can he count on you? Will you be faithful to God? Are you too busy? Are you too preoccupied? Have you got your own thing going? Are you living your life and maybe including God here and there? It's time to stop and say, God, I'll make a mess. There's a way that seemed right in a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Be faithful to worship. Be faithful to witness. Be faithful to work. I think God made men to work and women to work. Bless the Lord. Yes, if the man doesn't work, neither should he eat. According to Paul's writing, consider the ant, you sluggard. And I'll tell you this, I'm thankful to God. I can say this with a clear conscience. We've got some folks in New Rocky Creek Baptist Church who aren't afraid to work. I need some help there. Man, we've got some folks who aren't afraid to work. There's some that would try to get the easy way out and do the least they can. But I'm telling you, my God is worth every bit of what we can give him plus some. Amen. He's well able to repay you. Yeah, the Lord's not unrighteous to forget your labor of love which you showed to his name. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 says, not a cup of cold water can be offered in his name. Do you believe that? You can justify it. You can analyze it. You can evaluate it. You can excuse it. You can do everything in the world. But if you want the blessings of God, you've got to put Jesus first. Be faithful to God. Can God count on you? 
I'm just going to say something. I love you. You know I love you. I really do. I mean that with all my heart. But in some churches today, people that show up once every two months. You think that's going to be good for a church? You show up once every two months? And by the way, we got church on Sunday night and Wednesday night. My soul, if we're going to carry on the work, and God's given us a great big vision, brother, it's going to take some people to be committed. Amen. And without that, we're just going to be digging little holes. I'm telling you, I believe God's a big God. He's got a great plan, and we need everybody serving and working together. Because, number one, I want the blessings of God. Not just because pastor's saying it, because the Word of God says it. Now, don't neglect your family, but don't put your family before God either. Amen? God deserves first place in our life. And some of you need to put your job on the altar today. And some of you may need to put your family on the altar today. And some of you may need to put your entertainment on the altar today. Things can come in our life, in my life. I'm telling you, I battle it too, just like you do. And had it not have been for the grace of God, I, I'm telling you, any one of us can but be faithful in our work, our witness, our weight. Number two, be consistent. Tell me, look up here, tell me, are you consistent in your prayer life? Are you consistent? You do spend time with God every day, don't you? What you mean? You mean you don't spend time with God every day and you show up on Sunday and you expect heaven to come down and glory to fill your soul? It ain't going to happen. Look at me. It ain't going to happen. I love you, but I'm telling you, where your devotion ought to come is every day with Jesus. And every once in a while, somebody says, well, I just don't get anything out of church. You know why you don't get anything in church? Because you didn't come to church expecting anything. And you know why you don't get anything out of church? Because you're not getting anything during the week. If you spend time with the Lord every day and uh, out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water, you'll be excited about coming to the house of God. And I guarantee you, you may not get a lot out, but you'll get something out because the joy of the Lord is our strength. I can always tell when somebody's slipping, me included, in our devotion time. Too busy or things happen. Man, I know I'm busy too. Bless God, I'm busy and you're busy, we're all busy. But time with the Lord. Be consistent with your prayer time. Be consistent feasting on the Word of God. The average person today just wants milk. They don't want meat. And that's why they choke when they come to some deep Bible study. They can't handle it. Why? Because they're choosing not to get, dig their, sink their roots deep in the Bible. You just, and I'm challenging today. I'm challenging today. That man, God wants us to know not just about Philippians 4.13, but it's time we learn the whole Word of God. Why? You may not be called as a teacher, but God's called us to serve Him. And there's a witness out there, a world out there, that's uh, troubled and needing some answers. We've got cults here and there and all over the place, and no wonder the Lord said, Sanctify the Lord your God in your heart. Be ready to answer every man of the reason of the hope that's within you with meekness and with fear. Be consistent. Maybe today you need to redig those stopped up wells. Today, be honest with God. You can hide it from me. You can hide it from somebody sitting next to you. You can't hide it from God. Lately, you've been slipping. And I just want to say something. I love uh, Christian preaching and singing and so forth on the radio, but that doesn't substitute your personal devotion with the Lord. No, no, don't you put that ahead and say, well, I'm just going to get in my vehicle and that's going to be my devotion. You ought to do that in addition to your time with the Lord, personal time. Five minutes, ten minutes, whatever time you got, just do it. That love relationship, you know what will happen? You'll find out you'll stay connected with the vine all day long. You don't see the face of God in the morning, I guarantee you're going to see the face of the devil, amen. We need God's blessing. God said, I held the king's heart in my hand. The rivers of water and turns it with us of every way he will. Be faithful, be consistent. Today, 
God bless America. God bless your church. God bless our families. God, please send a mighty Holy Ghost revival. Be a blessing. Not only be faithful, be consistent. But three thoughts in my heart today were be a blessing. That is, make make your mind up. I want to be a blessing. Yes, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of the water, he turns it with us the way he will. Your heart is the hand of the Lord too. Last but not least, God will turn America in the future. Not only will he turn America in the past, not only will he turn America, and he wants to turn America right now in the present, but God is going to turn America. Where's American Bible prophecy? I don't know. If America is left after the rapture, I'll tell you where she's going to be. The Lord says in Zechariah chapter 14, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The Lord shall go forth to fight against the nations as he did in the day of battle. If America's left, think about it, after the rapture of the church, that unfortunately some preachers and teachers and Christians are denying the rapture today. That's sad, very sad. God help us to stay with the Bible, what the Word of God says. Well, what's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Jesus is coming in the clouds. The Antichrist is going to rise up, sit in the temple of God in Jerusalem. Not only that, the church is going to be evacuated from planet earth. But wait a minute. God's going to judge the nations according to Matthew chapter 25. The nations will be judged. And that is during the tribulation era as to how they have treated his people. You can read about the judgment of nations. And all of that will come to me when Christ comes again. And that greatest battle of all, the battle of Armageddon, will take place. Ushering in his glorious kingdom. And his kingdom there should be no end. And so, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Men's hearts are in the hand of the Lord. He can turn it either in your favor or against you. I know we don't like that. But when I read that, I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. So, finishing right now, as you stand to your feet,